0: i an all-star team, because
1: the best minds from all over the scene. We got friends of the show coming back, bringing laughs, jokes, and they're also dropping facts. So kick back, relax, and align. What you're going to find is going to blow your mind.
0: Hi, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, host of StarTalk Radio.
1: I've recruited a crack team of scientists and science educators to help me bring the universe down to Earth. And they are the StarTalk.
0: Hello, everybody. Hello. Great. Um, It is my great pleasure to uh, welcome StarTalk Live to the show, to the thing, to here, to AwesomeCon. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring on your host, one of America's great science educators and communicators, Bill Nye the Science Guy.
1: Eugene, Hello. Eugene, guy hug. Hello. Yes, good to see you. Welcome. Greetings. Woo! Wow, look at you guys. Greetings, greetings. I imagine this is not the first time you've heard this this weekend. This is awesome! So speaking of awesome, should we introduce our guests? Let's do it. We'll start out, where should we start? We'll start over here the most uh, hilarious uh, woman ever. Uh, And you know her by her uh, Twitter handle, at King Firestorm. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Firestone.
2: Hello, hello. Hello, hello.
1: Hello. Hello. Next in this corner, or this chair, From the uh, Astrobiology Institute, you know him by his Twitter handle, Dr. Funky Spoon. <laughs> David Greenspoon. David, David, David. Hello. Good to see you, sir. Yes. Good nice to see you, too. Uh, then in this corner, which uh, is a chair. And uh, I'd give you his Twitter handle, but he said, no, Just, just Google him uh harry kundabaloo Hari kundabaloo i'm doing it again welcome Hari, you got an album coming out got an album coming out it's a mainstream comic in america it's something like almost, that. almost. what a, is it a
0: mainstream american comic
1: mainstream american comic Hari Kundabalu. and then lastly everybody somebody who's who really works in the business full-time uh, the second-in-command at NASA, uh, the deputy administrator, Dr. Dava Newman. Give it up. Here she is. Hi,
3: guys. Thank you, sir. Oh, we we'll do this, you. and then this. We'll oh. do this.
1: Yes. Oh, we messed up our microphones. Look at that. There it is. Oh, please, everybody, please sit down. Are there any questions on what we've covered so far? No, we're at Awesome Con, this is superhero time, and on stage here with me, I claim, are the superheroes of space exploration. So for me, what I'm hoping for is to have superpowers, right? Now what do you guys want in superpowers? Main thing for me, I want to be able to fly, and then the next thing down that list for me is to be able to have extraordinary vision.
0: What's, what would me. extraordinary vision, like how far, <laughs>
1: Well,
0: I'd like to, to see stuff? other
1: planets. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I'd like to have vision that would find life and stuff like that. So to get this started, uh, Dr. Uh, Newman, you are an expert in aerospace and biomedical engineering. Yes. Your research studies include advanced spacesuit design and dynamics and control of astronaut motion. Which is not trivial when you're in zero G. Right, or Mars. Tricky. Or Mars. Tricky.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you're the director of MIT's technology and policy program. Well, on
3: leave to serve NASA.
1: And as well as your deputy director at NASA. Now, Dr. Uh, David, I mean Greenspoon. Sir. Uh, you're, of course, you're regular here on Star Talk. That's why you're beloved. <laughs> and, uh, Oh my! (laughs) And you are—I presume you are funky, and you're good with a spoon, and that's why you're—do my best. Yeah, you're (laughs) Doctor Funky Spoon, but right now you're the senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute, right? Which is like an amorphous thing.
4: It's—it's distributed.
1: Distributed, because it's the modern world in which we now live, and you're a co-investigator on Mars Curiosity rover, right, and stuff like that. This is right. So uh, here's the thing, you guys. I want to just ask you to start because we're at AwesomeCon. What would be your favorite... Let's see. We'll start with David. What would be your favorite superhero?
3: So I'm going to combine a few. So
1: it's Elast... Well, you you can do that? Yeah, I'm going to do it.
3: It's Elastigirl with Spider-Man, because the suit is cool. We came up with it first, you know, for a suit for Mars. And I like to fly, too. So Batman. So Elastigirl, Spider, Bat, Girl. That's what
1: I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. Cool. And... uh, yeah, that's
0: good. So Batman I mean just doesn't ask, really fly as much as he falls incredibly well.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and he doesn't ever, seldom what, gets hurt.
2: What was Elastic Girl's? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Elastic Girl was just kind of bendy, or what was her super
1: thing? bendy,
3: cool,
2: yeah. super bendy Around, Yeah, nothing got in her way. What and was the, fast. What was the difference between her and say Gumby? <laughs> mm.
0: Gumby, I think, is more Christian.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and green. But, seri- but seriously, you made, uh, you made an allusion to spacesuits that are, resemble superhero costumes?
3: There you go. But the, the technology came first, I think. Yeah.
1: What technology are you talking about?
3: Advanced spacesuit design has to be you know lightweight, mobile, flexible. We're going to Mars. Did you hear? We're going to uh, become yes, interplanetary. We're so.
1: going to Mars. Not You guys, we're not going to Mars during uh, this...
0: Uh, Surprise, we're going to Mars. (laughs) Pick a partner. (laughs) I hope you're with someone you love. (laughs) Strap in.
2: (laughs) What are we doing in Mars? What are we doing? We're setting up shop, or what's happening there? Well, we're already there.
3: We've been there for the last 50 years with orbiters and landers, and the next 50 years are even cooler. We're going with people. So first we're going out, space station that's in low-Earth orbit, phase one. We've been doing this for 16 years together with the world. Then we move out to Earth-Moon. In all the 2020s, and our rovers are still hanging out doing Mars. We have these great experiments. We keep popping off the robotic missions to Mars, and then boom, boots on Mars with people in the 2030s. This like stuff. Stuff will be there.
0: What's the year that you think that there'll be boots with people inside the boots?
3: People inside the boots in the 2030s. In the 2030s, it's the 2030s, and it's probably not all of us, but it's my Mars, the Mars generation.
1: Oh, before (laughs) we go too far along, David, you have a favorite superhero?
4: Yeah, uh, I guess my favorite superhero is uh, Planet Girl slash Planet Boy, because... Planet Girl? Slash Planet Boy, because she's, she's transgender and interplanetary, and she's got... Spectrometer eyes, multi-wavelength imaging spectrometer eyes, and she's got ion drives on her toes. So she can go in orbit around any planet and image just about anything you would want to. So who wouldn't want that?
1: So do you have a superpower?
4: Well, yeah, my superpower is um, born of working with teams of scientists and engineers and sending spacecraft to other planets and figuring out what's going on on them and trying to learn the stories that they tell and hopefully uh, deriving something useful from that. I don't know if that sounds super to you, but it's, it it's what I got. It sounds super
1: cool. Uh, Dr. Newman, you are the second in command yeah. at NASA. That's like a superpower.
3: It is super cool. I have the best job in the world. Maybe the second best. I think it's the best job in the world.
1: Uh, so, at second in command at NASA, what, what is the coolest part of your job?
3: Well, my portfolio is a uh, journey to Mars, and being serious about that, and more strategy and a plan. We have one. It has to be sustainable over, you know, the next 15 years, because we're 2030. And um, I kind of focused on technology and innovation at NASA. That's a lot of fun, I, especially as an education outreach. I love that. I'm an, I'm an academic, you know, 25 years, former MIT professor. So those are my three big things. And um, then I spend, uh, oh yeah, that time I spend on the Hill and the White House. and
1: Schmoozing? I mean, 19, Trying to get our
3: $19.5 billion international partnerships. We have over 700 with about 120 nations, so you should ask who we're not working with. That's a much easier
1: Uh, question. Now that you're working with us, I think you're pretty much covered. <laughs> there you, okay.
3: I'm
0: assuming you're not working with ISIS. I'm assuming they're not contributing.
2: <laughs> yeah, haven't, I haven't had... No, I just got back from Berlin. And, you know, yeah. German, German. Like you should go to a European. job training program and just, like, sneak in your resume and be like, what do I do next, you know? <laughs> just try to stump them.
1: <laughs> so when you say Journey to Mars, we spell that J2M?
3: I like that. That's a good acronym. Is that J-2-M? right? That's my shorthand for it. And
1: so... Uh, Uh, In order to make the journey to Mars, let me ask you a couple things. What do we need to do? You're in charge of technology, right?
3: I'm in charge of, uh, you know, helping the technology innovation uh, portfolio, but we need a big rocket. So we're designing and developing, and uh, this is real. Our space launch system is well under development.
1: So Scott Kelly just got back. Uh Uh-huh. And what did he achieve? It's taken one us one year. Mark.
3: The, well, he's the American that now has the record for the longest uh, duration in space. And it was, uh, we did the twin study. If you guys heard about that, because he had his identical twin, former astronaut Mark. Oh. Yeah, both of them. So Scott in space for over a year, and Mark down here. And, and it's the first time we did genetics in microgravity. So we're doing the DNA sampling now. Mm-hmm. And uh, checking out the microgravity physiology changes. We have to figure this I, out.
1: To I saw him the safe other day to Mars. at an event, and he said his legs still hurt.
3: Uh huh. You know, gravity sucks. He's back on Earth. And, <laughs> it's,
1: uh, very, uh, it's very hard to it's walk hard. around. You know,
3: physiologically, he has to get back, and his feet do still hurt. When he has to stand up all day, it's... Um,
1: Which you make him do. Yeah.
3: He retired from NASA. I don't make Just him do it. He works at a blimpy part-time. <laughs>
0: How did you choose which twin was going to, to Mars and which one was staying here? Or did they flip for it? Yeah. No, or do you no. know if it was actually the twin you thought it was or if they were like... Yeah. No, no,
3: no. no. Yeah, it was... Uh, they were done going no, no, Scott went up and, and uh, Mark stayed here with, with Gabby, his wife.
2: Oh, Gabby right, Giffords, right,
3: right. so... Is Scott single? <laughs> he has a serious... Uh, Partner, I believe interesting I think they made it through a year in space so that well, that's shows a the test but he's at the like Sets long distance yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's, a, he's actually, in space
1: a lot right actually it's it's not all that long distance because they're in constant touch <laughs> The guy is talking to you all day it's like you never you can't just leave a voicemail you know? but what did we learn
3: what did we learn so Um, You know, over a year, and he was with uh, Mikhail Kornienko. That was his partner, his Russian partner. So, they did the experiments together, both, you know, NASA and Russia. So, we're learning a lot, again, about how a human performs, a human body performs in the weightless environment. This is for a year. Our Mars mission is over three years. Some in weightlessness, some on the Martian surface, which is three-eighths gravity. And we're looking at technology development, too. So, he performed over 400 science experiments during his year.
1: So he never really took a day off.
3: Uh, not a lot of vacation. And you can't leave. You know, you can't yeah, just yeah. walk out the back door. So, yeah. so it's yeah, the, the flight to well.
0: Mars. How long will it take to travel from Earth to Mars? So, the,
3: you know, round trips, it, about eight months to get there. But just think of it as like about a two-year round trip in transit. Right. But hopefully, we stay 600 days on the surface of Mars exploring.
1: Now, when you wow. say 600 days, 600 Earth days, 600 sols.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's debatable. Uh, let's say 600 Earth days, since we're kind of counting in Earth days right now.
0: And 600 Earth days is also just 600 days. <laughs> just checking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we count in souls and earth days.
0: You know, another thing that Scott Kelly
4: did that I just thought was tremendous was his Earth Art project where he yes. was constantly tweeting the most beautiful photographs of our home planet to us and sharing his perspective, the view from that that platform. And uh, I mean those pictures are all online. If you haven't seen them, you gotta check, check them, them out. out. Such such an amazing opportunity to see through his science scientist and artist eye our own planet, and and he just captured it so beautifully in his commentary on what he was seeing during that year, I found very moving, and it's a a treasure that we have now for forever.
1: He was tweeting from space? There's internet in space? You
3: don't follow
1: him? No, it's it's like the space program, man. They can do all kinds of stuff. How do you get the internet from space? Well, he we know Own all the satellites,
3: and uh, Kate, you oh, know, was, right. Kate and are.
2: Oh, did, we're we, probably we, closer we, to the satellites we than we are. Right. Right. Satellites, I know, after. like how it happened that, like, he got to be the one. Like, was he like, you know, what? I have a twin, so we could do like a double study. Was he like kind of leveraging that? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> well,
3: he's a very, yeah, he's a very senior astronaut. He's great, and um, <laughs> then we came up with the the twin study. Uh, we only have one pair of identical twins, you know, came, sure. but he had been selected to be the commander of this mission. <laughs>
1: Ever wondered what it's like with two astronauts and so on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, but, and we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Because uh, it takes quite a while to analyze everybody's. Uh, we'll get them uh, eyesight done in the, next, and, in
3: the next six months, uh, the, all the, DN, the DNA sampling. I mean, all the other, we have a lot of the what, scientific results.
1: What kind of stuff
0: are you looking for? Like what? Well, changes in.
3: And there's muscular, I mean, so you look at. Um, Radiation isn't a huge problem in low-Earth orbit because we're shielded. That's nice that we have this nice protection, but just in low-Earth orbit, not, you know, we get to Mars. Musculoskeletal, the bone, uh, we lose, uh, typically you lose 1% to 2% bone mineral density per month. Here on Earth, that's per decade. So that's why it's the worst. Wow. It's so in a trip round trip
0: to Mars that you would lose
3: a lot. but we have countermeasures. So you exercise up to a couple hours a day. You might, you know, there's some pharmaceuticals, but... uh, The important thing is we keep our astronauts safe and healthy and that tells us a lot about say osteoporosis down here on earth you know because it's such an accelerated response
1: I think anybody who's ever seen the movie 2001 Space Odyssey would say that is awesome and the reason part of the reason it was awesome it was spinning right the space station is spinning creating some artificial gravity but uh, right now, the proposal is to punch it and go to Mars fast enough, exercise enough on the way, and take the right medications to preserve bones, See right? See if we can
3: preserve muscles and bones. But maybe we have some small... You can do small short-arm centrifugation that fits in the craft. That's a really interesting concept, you know, like a spin in the gym. You know, imagine instead of the elliptical, it's a, it could be a spinning thing. So spinning we're still, thing. you know, playing Meaning around with the concept. you would be in a
0: spinning thing and, you, and it would...
3: Well, say the spacecraft, you know... Yeah. You know what, you know, 2001, that was fantastic. Engineers love it, but that's expensive when you have a two kilometer radius, right? Tell me right. about it. Yeah. So let's do a smaller one, because, yeah. you know, we have like great one budget, kilometer. But, uh, a little smaller. Let's do a normal, and then but we could spin oh, inside. Oh, just,
1: just a second, David. Just a normal blank. What? A normal what?
3: A normal spacecraft. Normal Mars spacecraft. A normal Mars shape?
1: spacecraft.
3: <laughs> That's yeah. what I think about every day. And we could have little s- think of like little spinning beds inside. See? That's yeah. cool. That's still artificial gravity, but within the constraints of a normal Mars spacecraft. So
1: let's say that problem is solved. What is the biggest challenge?
3: The biggest challenge for getting people to uh, become interplanetary, because we will become interplanetary. I hope sooner than later. That's what I'm working on. Biggest challenge is the will. Biggest the challenge will, is deciding the deciding to do it. We have to focus, just deciding yes. The biggest challenge is just saying yes and getting, all of you, getting all the people behind it say that, first answer why, why are we going? They're the enduring questions. Are we alone in the universe? Is there life? Has there been past life? That's the why. The biggest challenge is just say, let's just say yes and so, stay the course and don't get you know, derailed and just focus, 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 and then we get there.
1: We will talk about that coming up. In the next segment, you've been watching, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. We'll be back right after this. I say radio, Star Talk Podcast. So, uh, welcome back, welcome back. We keep going crazy. Welcome back to Star Talk Live. <laughs> We're at the Convention Center in Washington, DC, and uh, I am joined by this fabulous panel, which includes our beloved Eugene Merman, <laughs> Hari uh Joe Firestone, David Greenspoon, and uh, second-in-command at NASA, David Newman. So, <laughs> how many people want to go to it. Mars?
3: Heck Yes!
1: How many people think we should spend our money on other stuff?
0: Well, some other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> it's not it, you know, all it's or nothing. Not like either, like right? we can definitely have sandwiches and go to Mars. Yeah.
4: You got it, Eugene. So uh, right well, now, now it's decided. We just decided. Yeah. Oh
2: We're just going. Decided. My, these are my people. Yeah. What kind of sandwiches, <laughs> though?
0: <laughs> I mean, definitely some with prosciutto. Okay. Who, who oh. gets to who gets to own Mars? Like. Is oh. it?
3: It has to be global. I mean, at NASA, we're saying, here's our plan, here's what we want to lead, we have all of our elements, you know, heavy lift launch, Ryan capsule on top, we get out, and then we're saying, world, come with us. Even
0: Estonia? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Estonia,
3: Yes. But sure. sure, I'm not so Who, wants to, who yeah. wants to join? It's but, global. It's global you know, it seems like, Isn't
0: that a risk? Because that's the way like colonialism worked before. Like all these different countries were going to a land and claiming it. So won't that just happen again with like different no, companies get, and we, different like?
3: You know, you think we, maybe we can get it right this time. Um, ult- ultimately, you know? so the Martians treaties. will
0: probably own Mars. <laughs> Yeah, but we're gonna kill them off. I discussed this earlier. They
2: my... <laughs> could be. A... We're gonna
0: become the Martians when, we're colonizing. It could be really When we go there, we'll be the Martians.
2: Sorry, really quickly, yep. we're talking about Martians in this scientific form. They're real. What's happening? <laughs> well, okay,
3: Earth and Mars. 4.5 billion years, sister planets. Beautiful, wonderful. And we think, because we have a lot of scientific data now, Mars, 3.5 billion years ago, was probably wet, wonderful, maybe a little wild.
1: Back in the day.
3: Back in the day, 3.5 billion. Like Costa Rica? Something, <laughs> something like a like Costa Rica? Went, <laughs> maybe. Could, yeah, Costa Rica. And yeah. then something something might have gone terribly wrong. Well, what went terribly wrong? We, too we, many parties. Too many parties. We would like to figure that out, because that tells us a lot, again, about Earth, about Pura spaceship vida. Earth. And so if what there's past talking? life, it's probably kind of fossilized and, you know, that's what we're looking for. Past life, probably.
1: So a couple things, though, literally. Uh, there is a space treaty from 1967. And, Signed
0: by John Lennon.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> imagine no, let's see, imagine no uh, land boundaries. So this, that, the, uh, the wording of it is a little bit vague. Of the Space Treaty, kind of deliberately, because it talks about going to the moon and other celestial bodies. Like people, the Mars was a long way away. Nevertheless, Mars is getting to be within reach. It's getting to be a reasonable thing that people might do. And if we, we can really do this, I just, my opinion, which as you know is uh, correct, <laughs> is that it's just not so easy to get to Mars. It's just not, it's not like these guys it's came, hard. they came from Europe. And they went across North America, they came from Europe, they went to South Africa, and they, they started uh, eating things and setting up tents and stuff. But on Mars, it's a much more difficult deal.
4: Well, there's also a big difference, which is that there were people here uh, when Europeans got here. And they weren't always recognized as people, and that caused a lot of problems. It seems as though there are no people on Mars, so the setup is inherently different.
1: But what about... What, what, about the, uh, what about the role of, uh, of uh, protecting, the role, let's say, the uh, objective to protect Martian life if it's found? You know, Carl, yeah, well, that's so it, we yeah. Can,
4: one of our big scientific objectives now, of course, is to find out if there is Martian life so that we don't inadvertently do something really stupid
1: to so, it. So that along that line, we're sending robots, right? By yeah, robots, rovers? we mean spacecraft that land, drive around, cool tires... And uh, to look for things, but what? It, how do we know that those things are sterile? Those robots have been made clean enough to land there without contaminating the Martian life when we see Well, it. We,
3: we work on it. We take it serious. That's you know planetary protection. And we think about forward protection. We bring life. We're looking for life on Mars. Well, we sure won't. Don't want it to be our life. So we right. do that and back contamination. So forward contamination. So it has to be, you know, it's a whole area. Has there's to be there's, there's, no,
4: there's no way to know for sure. Um, but, but it is taken seriously. We do our best. Uh, there are planetary protection protocols. We try to clean our spacecraft. We don't sterilize them 100%. but we, uh, So we know we've brought okay. some microbes well, to well, Mars. Well, well,
1: well when you say we don't sterilize them 100%, I will ask the obvious. Question. Why not?
4: Because it's, it's very hard to, in order to sterilize a spacecraft, you would have to the whole thing to a point where you would destroy a lot of the scientific instruments. So you'd, we
1: melt, kind of, you'd melt the electronics. Melt the, so yeah. we
4: kind of play this game where we get them clean enough so that we know how many microbes are on there, and we land them in places where we don't think those microbes would survive. It's a little bit of a game you have to play. We don't, so we know there are some microbes on Mars that we've brought there, but we don't believe we've started uh, colonies of Earth organisms on Mars.
1: Because...
0: I would love to beat everybody there and put a bunch of rabbits on Mars,
2: <laughs> and
0: then you go like, "Oh my God, there's so <laughs> many
2: rabbits!" Wait, what, what are we looking for as far as Martians? We're we looking for like plants or worms or fossilized. It's kind of like think about going to the beach and looking at those cool, you know, fossilized shells. Kind of like that. Like something like like a mussel, like a mussel, mm, like a no probably seafood,
3: harder and flatter and 3.5 billion years old. So okay. you're looking
0: for what was there, not what is there
3: past life there's nothing well, there. what is there well what is there we're finding out every day we know right. how mars lost its atmosphere our maven observer just helped us figure that out and we know there's methane mars is breathing kind of saying hi to us with methane coming out i think it might be active methane <laughs> so
0: when you active find metha- uh, methane from what
1: do
0: do 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 yeah. do. Oh my god. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah.
4: We don't know. In fact in <laughs> fact the existence of the methane itself is somewhat controversial though. It's looking better and better. There probably is methane and of course A long time ago, before we found the methane, that was one of the things that scientists said would be a biosignature on Mars. If you find methane, then there's gases that are weird gases that shouldn't be in the atmosphere. Just like on Earth, there's oxygen in the atmosphere that comes from life. If you find methane on Mars, we used to say, then that'll be a sign of life. So now we found methane on Mars, but we're not sure it's a sign of life because there's not much of it, and it behaves in weird ways, and there are some just chemical, geological reactions that can make methane inside the Earth, but, some, yeah, or inside okay. a planet. But most of the methane on, in Earth's atmosphere does come from bugs, from Wait, life.
0: Just to clarify,
4: we're talking about space farts, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. That's yes. right. And burps.
3: It could be propulsion, you know. See, methane would be great propulsion yeah. for us. That's why it's a. Very Meaning, if we could,
0: we could use the methane to get back to Earth. There
3: you go, gas station. You know, we got to oh have that first gosh. gas station the on first Mars. First gas really? station.
2: How cute!
1: <laughs> uh, is it, <laughs> it going to have like a mini mart and stuff? I guess we'd have to set that up. But imagine this, everybody. You'd land You land the right <laughs> spacecraft on Mars, and you use the. Chemistry of the rocks and the atmosphere to make rocket fuel to fly back. I mean, that is an extraordinary idea and very cool.
4: Well, it's a puzzle, right? Because we don't know if there's any life beyond Earth. And By the way, what what is what is life? Man? Yeah, well, that's, like, wow. that's that's the puzzle. How do we define it when we when we only have one example? You think there's all this biodiversity on Earth, but we know one thing we've learned for sure is that it's all related. So there's one example of life. How on do Earth. we
1: know it's all related?
4: Well, chemically, of course, it all uses DNA and proteins. And even better than that, by looking at the sequences of DNA and proteins, you can tell what's related to what and You can make this tree of life, and you can we go all the way back, and we do not find any organisms that we're not obviously related to on a biochemical level.
1: Even my old boss, yeah,
4: Yeah. (laughs) even snails are your distant cousins. Yeah, Yeah. you, you and an escargot are just uh, you know a few generations removed from being the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we can't really define something that we only have one example of. It's not very scientific. You want a bunch of examples of something to say what it all has in common. And yet we want to search for life elsewhere, so we have these sort of provisional definitions. We think we know what its signs will be. We think we know what it is. But in order to really know what it is, we have to find it and
1: then be able to compare it. So so let me ask you, uh, what would you speculate it would be? Well, it just, what, it, would, what would it take? Seems to me it would have to reproduce. Is that right? No. Maybe it just has to maintain its... It's homeostasis; it has to maintain itself. If you if you uh, get it cold, it keeps itself warm. If you get it hot, it keeps itself cool.
3: That and uh, it's present life and past life. Right now on Mars, we really think that it's past life, so it's probably not keeping itself warm because it's kind of fossilized. But we say when you look for life, the search for life, follow the water. You know, that's kind of rule number one: follow it, the water. Now we have why water do you on say Mars. follow the water? Well, uh, because David was saying, you know, we look at we're kind of looking for carbon-based life. That's what we know kind of carbon-based life forms, that's, that's how life is on Earth. Now, there could be something we haven't thought of, but right now we're saying go for the water. We have water on Mars. Mars has a, a carbon dioxide atmosphere.
1: Dava, you said, well, you know, we're going to look for life that was once there on Mars. We were back there, you know, back in the old... Look, we- there's methane, methane on Mars, people. I know. We have the... It's- Maven. If they're finding methane, there's got to be a source of it. I'll give all of you chemists, and I, I love you all out there. My grandfather was a chemist. There's some inorganic chemical process that produces methane, right? But everywhere on earth, we find water. We find living things. Even the tiniest dampness of nothing damp in, in uh, Death Valley. There are cyanobacteria that live, right? The green, blue-green things that live under the rocks. Rains once every couple of years, and something's alive there, right? right? All right. So if we're finding methane on Mars, with uh, what is it? The Trace gas Orbiter is out there, and Maven. And we're finding liquid water in these recurring slope lineae, right? And the geologists love, they Seasonal, love the Latin. Seasonal,
3: yeah, exactly. Seasonal. So Some it's flows. a little
1: rivulet, a little uh, rill, a little drip of water lots of every year. And ice the poles. Hari, I like it. You can't see it on the podcast, people, but he is inquisitive, man. Oh, I'm He's just hanging kind of, on this.
0: Like, how much water are we talking about right now?
3: Right now, just a small amount. Briny, salty water. You don't want to drink it yet. But the great thing is we knew there's... Ice. Like there's enough ice to on the step poles, in? but now this is Al-
4: almost none on the surface. Yeah,
3: and this is seasonal. So when you know it's seasonal, uh, but you know, so oh but seasons, look, every, it's, yeah. every
1: Martian summer, there's a little it's waterfall. It's cool. It's fantastic. Okay, I'm with you, that's no, not I am, nothing. I am with you. Wait, Wait are, are, you are, you you know are you
2: making? That's I'm, true. You I am didn't, with you. That's not a thing you just lied about. That's no, true no, f- not no, about that. No. It's true. It's a Martian waterfall.
1: Well, uh, or rivulet. Rivulets.
2: Or, I like rivulets yeah. better. But Flowing, there's a lot of water underground. Water.
4: Yeah. We believe. We know, actually. So we you know guys, I am open
1: minded, of course. But you're telling me that we've got liquid water on Mars, and we have methane that we detect, albeit in strange ways, from billions of kilometers away with these extraordinary spacecraft, all right? And you are not optimistically optimistic I am, about finding I am something completely still optimistic. alive,
3: I, and I think it's going to be sooner than later.
1: I'm not.
4: I, I I don't think there's life on Mars today. By life, do we mean which, something? And I think actually that's a good thing. I th- I'm optimistic that there's no life on Mars today, because that makes it much less complicated for us to do the things we were talking about earlier and not be wiping okay, out. Okay, just a, a
1: minute, European immigrant man. Yes. <laughs> It sounds like you might be saying, well, I'm pretty sure there's nothing alive no, there. No, no, We're no, not no, going to no. contaminate it. Not Let's really. just
4: show up. No, because I, I very much support our carefully investigating this question. I think that right now our ignorance vastly outweighs our knowledge. But my interpretation... Even
1: is, even when it comes to people running for president?
4: Well... <laughs> I think you just answered the question, yeah. Um, so, but but... But I am a skeptic as far as the methane we've seen and the water we've seen indicating a biosphere.
1: Why, I, why are you skeptical of that? Because
4: I think that on a planet like Earth, you look at if you were a Shown alien here <laughs> it, for instance, this room, if you were a, an alien looking at our solar system from afar, there'd be this planet Earth that has a flagrant biosignatures. This oxygen is off flagrant. the chart. flagrant. You
1: people flagrant. are flagrantly flagrant. signing your biomass. Bio- bio-
4: I don't think a planet like Mars, that has very subtle potential biosignatures, will ever be alive. Because on a planet like Earth, the biosphere is coupled to the active biogeochemical For those of you cycle, watching the
1: podcast, I'm, their arms are I'm just waving my waves. arms. Because, because Earth has... Snow angels in the sky. Earth has
4: here. this active hydrological cycle with rainfall and evaporation. It has plate tectonics. The geology is alive. The chemistry of the interior is in communication with the atmosphere. He's
2: still waving his arms. I'm yeah. waving my arms. But it's, and on Earth, it's now become,
4: become modern
0: wave. dance. <laughs> on,
4: on
2: Earth, life... <laughs>
0: But but He's do you think, there's, do you the think there's like a, like like microbes in the water like that's what I'm saying is that on earth <laughs>
4: life rides the cycles of an active geological right. planet mars in that sense is a pretty dead planet i think as david was saying we will probably find signs of life in the past when mars was a less dead planet but if i had to bet i would bet that we that mars does not have life today so speaking microbes, of betting
1: speak, like, Speaking of betting, they won't take the bet now. Uh,
0: I'll bet a dollar, and we'll figure it out in what 2032?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that. that's maybe a so great maybe. question.
0: One dollar bet, 2032. Yeah, There's a say,
4: with
3: inflation, with inflation? with inflation, <laughs> we get with inflation. Wait, is
0: yeah. that a dollar in 2016 yeah. dollars yeah, yeah. or 2032 dollars? I'm taking dollars? the inflation. <laughs> I'm happy to go with inflation, and it'll be around three dollars or whatever.
1: <laughs> but let me I'm recommend. <laughs> let me recommend you go with 2033. Because that's a favorable orbit, actually. Just if you just a, a friendly amendment.
0: Oh, I'm not saying this one will be there. It's, I'm just betting on the finding a microbe. So,
1: I say yeah. I would go with 2033. Okay, 2033 yeah, yeah. it is.
0: And we'll be there. We'll a be there. Friendly a friendly when Our do you think we'll there. be on Mars? You're the most Well, we are qualified. on Mars
3: today with five vehicles in with, orbit and Sorry, it was like a
0: group of kids playing soccer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> group of kids. Kids playing Mars Generation, the 2030s. that's yes. yeah.
1: So, uh, but are we having big fun? Yes, it's the nice. coolest thing ever. So let's back up to uh, the disco era. Uh, the My Vi-
2: favorite time.
1: Uh, yeah, good. You're in the right place. So the Viking landers had these uh, scoops. That This was in 1976, July 4th, coincidence, 200th anniversary of the United States. Viking 1 lands there has a scoop akin uh, to uh, an ice cream shovel and scrapes into the soil and stuff. Then it scra- drops some of that soil into some chemistry experiments that were um, uh, spacecraft style. There, you can't see them from here, but the scoops dropped the dust in there and something happened, right? And people, for a couple days, for those of you who were not around in the disco era, there were a few days or even weeks when people around the world, like, totally freaked because it seemed like something was bubbling on Mars that might be alive, right? Now, can you comment on that thing? What happened there?
4: This gets back to this vexing question of how do we look for life when we really don't know anything about life elsewhere? And the Viking biological experiments... Were, were a wonderful set of investigations, but it, it, in hindsight, they were maybe a little bit naive in that what we were really... What did they really do, really? They were looking for life on Mars that was very much like life on Earth. Essentially, they scooped up stuff, like you said, and they sprinkled it with what they called chicken soup, which so was So right now, it's like and rock, nutrients. scissors,
1: papers. His fist has gone into his hand.
4: Yes. Wait. They sprinkled up stuff. They put it in this experimental apparatus, and basically they sprinkled it with water and what the scientists nicknamed chicken soup, which was a set of nutrients which earth organisms would have loved, simple organic compounds, and they looked to see if anything happened, and did it give off gases... Where the carbon,
1: which it would if it were, if you put a scoop of earth soil, yeah, oil.
4: and they even labeled the carbon with radioactive uh, 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 carbon, heavy isotop- isotopically heavy carbon, so you can see if the carbon in the chicken soup, you can
1: see if you have the right instrument.
4: Yeah, you can with that instrument, you could tell that the carbon in the chicken soup was the same carbon that came out it was as if this stuff was breathing out carbon dioxide. So they said, aha, there's something in there that's eating chicken soup and breathing out carbon dioxide. It's alive. But then it didn't really behave like living organisms. There was a f- big fizz of this carbon dioxide, and then it went, psh, it tailed off as if so it was more just, of a chemical for reaction. For those of you
1: listening, his hand went way up like yes. he was going to uh, do a hook, <laughs> a hook shot, and then uh, it came down like he was going to... Um, like he was going to An exponential like
4: decline. The exponential I like decline.
2: I the listeners if you just picture one of those things outside car washes. Yeah. You know? Like every time. I feel like that's a great visual. Oh,
1: the uh, the inflatable guy yeah, that walks oh, around. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's
2: There There you go.
0: That's a
1: that's so, a good so we say yeah yeah so find life in the 70s so it then? it
4: <laughs> it it first looked like it was behaving like life. It breathed all this stuff out, and then it looked more like um, like pop rocks or something, where right. where something fizzes or or Mentos and Pepsi, where something fizzes all of a sudden and then just dies off. If it was organisms, mm-hmm. it would sort of perpetuate longer. So it ultimately had a shape over time, where it acted like some chemical in there was really excited to react. With the right. stuff we gave we it, brought it wasn't pop
0: rocks to Mars, and yeah. pop rocks were like we're pop rocks. Exactly,
1: <laughs> but they didn't find life. So it
4: fizzed, but yep. it didn't really metabolize. Yep. Unfortunately,
1: that, the yeah. way we would understand it, if yeah. we're right about it, could be once you put it out in the ultraviolet radiation of the Martian surface, you killed everything anyway, and the whole thing.
4: Now, one should say there are still some holdouts. There's this guy named Gil Levin, who is one of the original investigators on this. He's still alive, and he's a smart guy. And he thinks that they found, Mar- they found life on Mars with this experiment, and he refuses to be convinced otherwise. And he's a smart guy. And just I'll the decide. fact that there's still a little controversy <laughs> about this um, is an indication of the fact that we don't completely know what we're doing when we're looking for life, which is kind of what's exciting about this. We're on the edge of our knowledge, and we're trying to investigate something that we can't completely
3: grasp. Yeah, it's hard. It's science. That's what exploration's about. We just keep looking. You just keep, you know, you keep next bit of evidence, next bit of evidence. ExoMars is flying to Mars as we speak. ExoMars mission.
0: What's ExoMars going to do when it gets
3: there? It's going to look for the characteristic signatures that we've been talking about. So, you know, boom, we can nail it.
1: What kind of instruments do you design on this? It's a rover, right?
4: ExoMars is an orbiter with a rover that's going uh, to follow. Uh, yeah. the, uh, it's a, this is a, is, it's a precursor. Yeah. This so is it has first, like and a ruler, what else? It,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. it
4: has <laughs> spectrometers. Spectrometers that basically look at the, uh, the radiation coming off the atmosphere it very, in a very finely tuned way because there are certain colors of light, certain wavelengths of radiation that indicate... Specific molecules, and they really want to get at this methane that Deva mentioned. You know, where is there really methane on Mars? We think there is, but there's some controversy. Maybe where on Mars is it? Can you map it? You know, we need the a instruments picture. could have been fooled. It's a hard detection to make, even on the rover. There's some scientists think that it, because of the organic solvents we brought with us, it's looking like there is methane, but it's not.
1: This is the Curiosity rover. Yes, this is Curiosity. A, which is a different spacecraft. Yeah. Once in a while, a, a, a puff yeah. of methane puff, seems yeah. to blow over it. Is that right? Yeah.
3: And we try to measure it and yeah. sniff it. Is
1: Which it- is weird.
4: It's very weird that there are these puffs of methane. It's burping.
3: does <laughs> that mean? It's, yeah. I don't know what it means, but
0: thank you for asking.
4: Well, the reason why it's weird is because methane is very unstable on Mars. In the atmosphere, it would be destroyed almost instantly by the ultraviolet light from the sun.
0: How hot is it on Mars, just to get a sense? It's, oh. it's freezing.
3: Freezing. Freezing
0: and so hot, freezing. Very not hot.
1: They yeah, very yeah, not it
0: very
3: hot. Cold. Yeah. Uh, Venus it gets up to freezing, and yeah. uh, then you know, next 200.
2: The, is Venus kind of hot. Venus is Venus is really hot. But Venus is hot. Venus, Mars so is so cold. On the no hot, really happy medium yeah, Earth. on the Earth. hottest yeah. day, this is the, best one?
4: the okay. hottest part of Mars and the hottest day of summer, it is about as hot as it, about as cold as it ever gets on Earth anywhere.
2: Oh, I'd hate it.
4: Yeah, no. you wouldn't like Very it, cold. really.
2: Cold. Wait, so how are we going to deal life.
1: with that? Like, how are we going to deal with the fact that... Are we going to bring hats? Space yeah, hats? Like you, <laughs> want, you want, a hat <laughs> no, you want to have You yeah, want space want mittens. But hold it, Joe. Yes. Yeah. This, this is like something that um, the planetary science geeks are just kooky for. So Mars is crazy cold. Yeah. Venus is crazy hot.
2: We're the classic Goldilocks.
1: We exactly—that's the word we use. We are the Goldilocks planet. You've—you've—you've have, have, uh, convergence of a great scientific mind right here. Uh, Way uh, to go!
2: We got the porridge that's the right temperature we, to eat.
1: It, that's what we got. Earth is the
0: right temperature yeah. to eat. Gobble gobble. <laughs>
2: ah,
0: it is. No, yep. it really is. Beautiful planet. Gobble. Don't tell Galactus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but isn't there? Okay, listen. I'm just. My mind is sort this of blown is from this from good. This is exos, good. Exos, 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 so exoplanets. Yeah. It it does seem like exo gossip girl. Okay, but listen, so exoplanets, there must be around those stars a planet that's equidistant from the Earth. Do, 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 do. What's well, happening? I
1: know, so that's it. So we have an instrument, and the, the James Webb Space Telescope's coming up. Kepler's out there now. But this telescope is going to look uh, with such sensitivity, how sensitive will it be? that people believe they'll be able to look through the atmosphere of a planet backlit by its star. Are you digging me? Sunlight from a star is going to go through this planet's atmosphere, and this telescope out in space will be able to detect what gases are in that atmosphere. And what everybody's all hot for is water vapor and methane, the natural gas, the stuff in the blue flame of your stove. And oxygen. And oxygen. This would be... Like, so, cool. And so, uh, this, my claim, everybody, is these discoveries, uh, if we were able to discover life on Mars, on Europa, the moon of Jupiter, with twice as much seawater as the Earth, at yes, least.
0: Twice as much seawater as what?
1: As the Earth. All of Earth.
0: Oh, really?
3: Europa has and maybe even
1: an ocean a little more world. than twice as
0: much.
3: Great place to go look for
0: Oh, wow, yeah. does Kevin Costner know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> He'd love it. Uh-huh.
1: Don't tell him. Uh, so... So, anyway, what we want to do, my claim is if we were to find life, if we were to find life on one of these places, it would change this world. Everybody on Earth would think differently about what it means to be alive.
0: I can't watch everyone agree with each other when that happens.
1: (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Just for a moment. So, let's (laughs) say we were going to go do this. (laughs) David, uh, at uh, Dr. Funky Spoon. Man. Sir. Sir. Uh, what is your dream scenario, finding life on Mars? What's the, how would you go about doing it?
4: Well, I think that we're going about it the right way. I would love to uh, accelerate. If, if my dream scenario would be, that, you know, we double or triple the NASA budget for exploration and could do more. I think we know what to do. Um,
1: thank you. <laughs> By but, the way, let me just say...
2: More sandwiches. Who wants more sandwiches? Yes. <laughs> for for instance, let, me, let
1: me just say, as CEO of the Planetary Society... I spent a lot of time on this stuff, and we've gotten the planetary science budget now up to about $1.7 billion, which I know doesn't sound like much. <coughs> <coughs> but everybody, the NASA budget is about 0.4% of the federal budget.
3: Yes, 0.4, right. right.
1: Yeah. How do 0.4. we get it to,
0: say,
3: 2%?
1: Two, well, so in the Apollo days, it was 10 times that. It was 4% of the federal budget. And so the planetary science line item within the NASA budget is less than 10% of the NASA budget, 9 and plus percent. We do a lot. And so these were the extraordinary uh, discoveries are made, so we we push all the time.
0: What can we do to raise the NASA budget, like as people?
1: Scream,
3: yell. Scream.
0: Well,
1: join the people. Planetary people. Say yes. Society. Join
3: the Planetary talk Society. Planetary.org. Uh, talk to
4: your
0: congressperson and, Kickstarter. Vote, so, and vote for people that yeah. aren't crazy. Have you guys tried Kickstarter or even GoFundMe?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys—they sort of have. But, that's that's uh, called a bake sale. No, so we sort of the have biggest at the biggest bake sale society. the world
0: has ever seen. Only
1: moon pies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah. you guys. So we at the call the congressman. Yeah. yeah. So at the Planetary Society we visit congressmen and senators and advocate for planetary exploration because it's very reasonably priced and another cool thing sometimes in politics people don't get along i don't want to shock you but the these very progressive people who want two chickens in every pot or or two veggie burgers on every plate and Thank then you. the um, yes and then the very conservative people who want three stakes on every plate. They disagree on, about everything except space exploration. So uh, I'll just, uh, a, a little plug for me and the Planetary side. this is what we do. We advocate. We go to the U.S. Congress especially and advocate for space exploration. And as proof of your Kickstarter idea, uh, Carl Sagan and his colleagues talked about a solar sail spacecraft pushed through space by sunlight. We had a Kickstarter campaign to raise money, and we raised way more money than we initially hoped, thanks to you all, because people, and it's, it's not about solar sailing exactly, it's about people supporting space
0: exploration. What did we do with the extra money? How can I be a part of all this? Uh, we're going to fly
1: a second <laughs> spacecraft. Uh, a yeah, we're going to fly a second spacecraft on the Falcon Heavy, which is a SpaceX rocket that, uh, for those of you who doesn't love SpaceX... They're flying, you know, you may have heard of the Falcon 9, that has nine identical engines. Well, the Falcon Heavy's going to have 27 of these same engines. And the first flight is November, December. And then the second flight is what we're on sometime in the spring. All that aside, your dream scenario yeah. Yeah. starts with getting more money. Yeah, so, and but then where dr- do we go from my there? My dream
4: scenario for Mars in specifically is... As I said, I think we're going to confirm that there's no life on Mars today. Um, But I want to be really sure before we go into other things there. So we got to check out this methane, figure out where it's coming from. If it's not life, it's telling us something really interesting about the geochemistry of Mars that we need to know. But my dream scenario for Mars is, is, as Deva mentioned, the possibility of finding fossils. There should have been life on early Mars, given what we know. We'll either find fossil signs of life on mars or if we study mars really carefully and understand those early environments and find that there was no life ever on mars that is also a really exciting thing to find it tells us something about earth that there's something special we don't understand
1: everything we learn about stuff in outer space informs uh what we know about the earth and i claim that the more we know about our solar system and other solar systems with other stars and exoplanets, exoplanets. Joe, the more it informs uh, ourselves and, uh, and where we all came from. This is the two deep questions. Are we alone in the universe, Joe? And Good. where did we all come from?
2: I just bought a 96-set a DVD set from greatcourses.com that's supposed to tell me my place in the universe.
1: Go good. Cool. That's great. So <laughs> that's one way to find <laughs> while out. While we yep. find that out, from the DVD, hold it. Hold it, you guys. I just want to thank you all. This has really been a cool discussion. Everybody had these terrific insights asking these fundamental questions about the nature of life on another world. How would we find it? What would it be like? How would it affect us? How are we going to get there? uh even how are we going to pay for it we talked about all this this has been like the greatest star talk live ever <laughs>